Today, we celebrate the birthday of the global church, that first Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on all. Now, the Spirit is part of the Godhead, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And back in Old Testament times, because of the sin of people, the Holy Spirit was only poured out on particular people at particular times to empower them to do particular tasks, such as the Spirit being poured out on Bezalel to give him great artistic ability to design the temple, or on prophets or judges who led the people. But the Old Testament also contains many promises that a time would come when all would have access to the Spirit. Now, the Apostle Peter quotes one such Old Testament prophecy about this from the prophet Joel when he stood up and addressed the crowd on that first Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Quoting from Joel chapter 2, he says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Now, why was this now possible? Well, at Easter, we read how when Jesus died on the cross, removing the barrier of our sin so that we can now have access to God. The curtain in the temple that separated the people from the Holy of Holies, the dwelling place of God, that curtain was symbolically torn by God. This meant that Jesus had dealt with sin once and for all. So not only can we now enter the presence of God, but that curtain torn meant that the Holy Spirit was now let out for all. And even Jesus himself prophesied this. He prophesied it before he went to the cross in John 14, verse 16, but then after his resurrection as well. In Acts 1, verse 8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then here on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, when God-fearing Jews from all around the globe gathered in Jerusalem to celebrate this festival that remembered both the giving of the law to Moses at Mount Sinai, but also to celebrate and give thanks for the first fruits of the harvest, the promise of the Holy Spirit being poured out on all was finally fulfilled. So let me read this to you. This is Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse one. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. And then verse 17, sorry, verse 13. Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. It's regardless of gender. 
Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. It's regardless of age. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And then Peter goes on to preach to the crowds. And then we read this in Acts 2, verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Wow. So what does all of this mean? Well, this means that you and I now have access to the Holy Spirit, the presence and power of God today. In verse 13, we read how some people, when the disciples were filled with the Spirit, they they thought they were drunk. But Peter replies, no, they're not drunk. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. And this links to what St. Paul would then write in Ephesians 5.18. He says, do not get drunk on wine. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And the word here, filled, is in the present continuous tense, meaning be filled over and over again. I remember the first time that I experienced, I felt God's Spirit filling me, was when I was confirmed, age 17. I just recently come to faith in Christ by reading the New Testament. And I was confirmed in a cathedral. The bishop put his hand on my head and said, uh, confirm, O Lord, your servant mouths with your Holy Spirit. And then I felt what was like, in a good way, waves of fire coming and filling my chest. It was the Holy Spirit. And from that day, since then, pretty much every morning when I wake up, before I get out of bed, I just pray, come Holy Spirit, Lord, would you fill me with your presence today? Why? Why do we ask to be filled with the Spirit? What difference does the Holy Spirit make in your life and mine? I want to suggest four things. Number one, the Holy Spirit assures you that you are a loved child of God. Romans 5 verse 5 says that God pours his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given us. And then Romans 8, 15 and 16 says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. This builds security in your heart. As you know exactly who you are, a child of God in Christ, and that you're safe in the unconditional love of God the Father. You're saved by Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1.22, is put in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come, the certainty of eternal life. So the Spirit assures you that you're a child of God, eternally loved. 
But the second thing the Spirit does is he then purifies and sanctifies us. What do I mean? Well, if he assures you that you're a child of God, he then helps you to grow up and mature. In Acts 2 verse 3, we read this. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Fire throughout the scriptures is often a symbol of refining or purifying. So for example, Proverbs 17 verse three says, the crucible for silver, the fire for gold, but the Lord tests or purifies the heart. I remember um, one run of Alpha that we did, um, a, a guy called Malcolm came along as a guest. And let's just say Malcolm lived a rather colorful life, constantly dating different women. And um, a couple of weeks into Alpha, one evening he said, look, I, I just don't get this faith thing. Uh, uh, how can I find out more? So I said, well, why don't you try reading the gospels in the New Testament? That's how I came to faith. Um, they're about the life of Jesus. So he went away and then he came back uh, the following week for Alpha and he said, well, I tried reading Matthew's gospel this week. I said, how do you get on? He goes, ah, didn't like it. I said, um, well, maybe try Mark, it's, it's short. And he goes, okay, I might give that a go. He came back the next week. Did you read Mark? Yes, I did. And he said, I still don't get it. I was like, uh, Luke? He came back the next week. He'd read Luke's gospel. What did you think? Oh, I didn't like it at all. Totally confused me. I was thinking, oh no. So I went, John's gospel maybe? I'm thinking, Lord, this is the last one. This is better work. He came back the next week, grinning from ear to ear. And Malcolm said, oh, it suddenly all makes sense. I get it. I want to follow Jesus. So Malcolm put his faith in Jesus and on the Alpha Holy Spirit weekend. We, we prayed for him and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And what immediately happened was, as Paul describes it, he removed from Malcolm the desires of the flesh and gave him the desires of the Spirit. He totally changed. He started to follow the Lord. He stopped all of this messing about and he has been inviting people on Alpha ever since. You know, the Holy Spirit makes us more like Jesus. He sets us free from the dark things in our life that grip us. You know, 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You know, if anything is holding you back in your faith or any addiction is gripping you and making you feel hollow, the Holy Spirit can set you free today, just like he did Malcolm. And the Holy Spirit grows the fruit of the Spirit in us. These are listed in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. What are the fruit of the Spirit? They're the sort of Christ-like characteristics that are grown in us and in our personality. Things like love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, and so on. And I think in this period of time, as we have come out of this pandemic, what a lot of people need is joy in their heart again, that deep, seated joy that regardless of the circumstances, you can rejoice. If you want that, the Spirit can bring it. I remember when I was um, at university, a whole load of us had just recently come to faith. And um, one evening, we a group of us that we were all guys, we 
we gathered in the local park. And it was only about 6 p.m. But you know, in the UK in the winter, it goes dark by 4 p.m. So it was pretty dark. And we, we, we turned up in the park and we heard about the Holy Spirit taught at church. So we decided, hey, why don't we pray for each other to be filled with the Spirit? And, and we prayed. And the Lord answered our prayer and one by one started to fill us with the Holy Spirit there and then in the park. And uh, one of my friends is called Dave. And when the Spirit filled Dave, Dave had this sort of joy that began to bubble up in him and he started to chuckle. Then he started to giggle. Then he just started to roar with laughter, filled with joy. And at one point he was laughing so much, he sort of staggered backwards, lost his footing and fell into the bush that was right behind him. At which point all of us started laughing, including Dave. And what you need to know about Dave is he's exceptionally tall. So all you could see was a group of teenage lads laughing and a big bush next to them shaking with laughter as well and two legs sticking out. Now at this point, who walks around the corner but, oh no, a police officer. This looked pretty bad, as you can imagine. So the policeman came up to us and said, Oi, what's going on here? Are you guys drunk? At which point, to my amazement, Dave pulls himself out of the bush, grinning from ear to ear and says, Yeah, we're all drunk on the spirit. And the police officer goes, what? What spirit's this? Is it vodka? And Dave goes, no, it's the Holy Spirit. I'm thinking, oh gosh, this, this could end badly here. But then, filled with boldness and faith, Dave says to the policeman, so, would you like us to pray for you? I'm thinking, what's he going to say? At which point, the policeman goes, uh, actually, would you mind? He says, my wife's not very well. She's got an operation coming up and I just can't sleep at night. Could you pray for us? So <laughs> there and then, this group of teenage boys, one of them still with leaves in his hair, stretched out a hand and we prayed for this policeman, for the peace of God, that's the fruit of the Spirit, to fill him and that the Lord would be with his wife in her surgery. I remember at that point thinking, wow, this following Jesus business, this is exciting. And the Spirit fills us to equip us and to grow us up so that we can do all that he's called us to. That's the second thing. The third thing the Holy Spirit does is he brings unity and the restoration of relationships. In Acts 2 verse 1, we read that when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, or as some translations put it, they were all in one place and of one accord. They were unified. But then as we read on, it says in verse 4 that when they're filled with the Spirit, we read this, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And then by verse 6, we read how all of the different cultures and nationalities that were present for the festival in Jerusalem then heard the disciples as they were speaking in tongues. They heard them each talking in their own native language so that everyone there could understand. Wow, what, what's going on here? Well, this is a reversal 
of Babel. You see, when sin came into the world, it led to disunity. And at the Tower of Babel, humankind is then divided and scattered geographically and by different languages. You find this in Genesis chapter 11. But the Spirit of Christ brings unity and reconciliation. Sin divides, the Holy Spirit unites. If you need a division or a rift healed today, maybe in your family or at work, or part of a team that you're on is divided, or, or maybe you need that division to be healed in an important relationship you have, ask the Holy Spirit to do that today. I recently heard this woman's uh, story through Alpha, and she's happy to share it. Uh, she uh, gave birth to her first child, a, a little baby boy, but whilst the child was still very young, things started to get really tough in her life. Her relationship with her husband began to break down, then he left, and then they got divorced. Around about the same time that the divorce came through, she then discovered that she had a tumour, a growth on by her brain, the side of her head, about the size of a ping pong ball. And the surgeon said to her, look, we think we should operate, but there's about a 50-50 chance that we'll be able to remove the brain tumor. And even if we can, they said there may well be long-term side effects. This poor woman was at her wit's end. She felt alone. She was facing a serious condition. And she thought, gosh, if I don't make it or if there are side effects, Who's going to raise my son? But at that point, somebody gave her a Bible and she read a few verses. She read about how God is our defender, how God is our father, how God is the one who heals and who brings peace. And she, she said she felt this overwhelming peace filling her heart. She didn't know it at the time, but it was the spirit. And she decided, I'm going to do the operation. She was operated on, they successfully removed the tumour. And then she continued to pray and to ask Jesus to work by his spirit in her life and amazing things started to happen. First of all, she, she made a full and complete recovery. She had no side effects whatsoever. Then her ex-husband started coming along to church. Then she started dating her ex-husband again. And now they've remarried and they have a wonderful Christian home raising their son together. Only the Spirit can do this. It's why in 2 Corinthians 5, it says that as Christians, we can have a ministry of reconciliation in the power of the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit assures you that you're a loved child of God. Your destiny is secure. The Holy Spirit helps us grow up from being a baby Christian, purifying, changing our motives and our desires and helping us to become more like Christ, sanctifies us. The Holy Spirit unites and heals division, brings reconciliation. But there's a fourth thing the Spirit does, and we see that in this passage as well. And that is the Spirit empowers us to share the good news 
of Jesus. In Acts 1 verse 8, the risen Jesus, just before he ascends, says to them, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Likewise, oh yeah, and then he goes on and says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And that's similar to the great commission that he gives the disciples at the end of Matthew's gospel, Matthew 28. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And then he says, and I am with you always. How? By the presence of his Holy Spirit. You know, at the festival of Pentecost, the Jews remembered when the law had been given to Moses. And on that day, 3,000 people had died. But on this day of Pentecost, when the Spirit was poured out on all, we read that 3,000 people were saved, putting their faith in Jesus. It was indeed the first fruit of the harvest, the birth and planting of the early church. And part of this Spirit-empowered spreading of the gospel is church planting. Now, I've spoken before of HTBB's intention to plant churches. And today we get to announce our first church plant, which is into Kuching in Sarawak, led by the Reverend Aaron Anand at the invitation of the Bishop of Kuching. Now the vision is to plant a church with a particular focus on reaching the young people of Kuching. And that church will also become the home of the Alpha Hub for Sarawak, with the exciting launch of the Alpha Youth Series in Iban later this year. Now, if you sense the Holy Spirit right now calling you to be a part of this vision, of this plant, and don't worry, the church will begin in English, then listen to the Spirit obey and please let us know let Aaron know and we'd love you to play a part in this historic moment for the church now we'll have the chance to pray for Aaron and all of the team and commission the plant properly on vision sunday uh, in september later this year after which Aaron will move to kuching so please pray about it the spirit might be calling you and the Holy Spirit also gives us the gifts of the Spirit to help us spread the good news about Jesus. Gifts such as prophecy and the power to pray for healing in Jesus' name as well. Ken Helser was uh, a musician and a hippie in the United States uh, in the late 60s and uh, uh, 1970. When in 1970, Ken had a dramatic conversion to Christ. He uh, became a Christian and started to follow Jesus. Now, a little bit after this, he was contacted out of the blue by a retired school teacher called Kermit. Now, not Kermit the Frog, this was a guy whose actual name was Kermit. And uh, Kermit said to Ken, can I come and see you, Ken? 
Ken said, sure. He thought this is a bit odd because he'd only ever met Kermit once before in his life. He didn't really know him. But Kermit came to visit Ken Elsa and said, look, this is a bit strange, but he said, I've come because the other night I was praying and God spoke to me. And he said this to me, go and tell my servant, Ken Helser, that I have healed his seed and he will have a son who is to be called Jonathan David. He will write prophetic songs for his generation and his music will go all over the earth. Now, what Kermit didn't know when he gave that prophetic word to Ken is that Ken's wife, Linda, at the time had cancer of the uterus and she was booked in for two weeks time to have a hysterectomy surgery, which meant she'd never be able to have kids again. And Ken himself was pretty sure that he probably couldn't father children either because he'd abused his body with hard drugs when he was a hippie. But inspired by this prophetic word from Kermit, Ken ran home filled with faith and prayed for his wife to be healed. And then they begged the doctor to do one more scan before the surgery. To the doctor's amazement, the scan showed there was absolutely no cancer there anymore. In fact, he said, in my 30 years of practice, I think this is the first miracle I've ever seen. A year later, Linda gave birth to their son. They called him Jonathan David. But as the boy grew up, uh, he showed actually no interest in music whatsoever. And his parents, I think quite wisely, never told him about the prophecy, not wanting to burden him. But on his 19th birthday, Jonathan said to his dad, hey dad, uh, could you show me some of those chords on the guitar? And Ken began to teach his son a bit. Pretty soon after this, Jonathan went to the UK to train with YWAM at their base there. And whilst there, he began to write worship songs. And Jonathan David Helser has written songs like No Longer Slaves that we sang earlier and Raise a Hallelujah. He has indeed been a prophetic voice for his generation and his songs have gone all around the earth. Now, as we share the good news of Jesus, we can expect the Spirit to accompany it with signs and wonders so that a hurting world can come into the healing arms of Jesus. The Lord has a role for you to play. So why don't we pray right now? Wherever you are, whenever you're watching this, just pause right now. You might wanna put your hands in front of you as if to say, I'm willing to receive this gift of the Spirit. And just pray, come Holy Spirit. Allow the Spirit to confirm in your heart that your identity, your security, your destiny is eternally secure as a loved child 
of God. And allow the fire of the Spirit, you might even feel it on you now, just to burn away those desires of the flesh and to give you God's desires, the desires of the Spirit. And if you need a healing in your life right now, ask the Spirit to heal you. In the name of Jesus, receive your healing. There may even be some couples like Ken and Linda who'd love to conceive right now. Just be healed in the name of Jesus and we speak over you healing and fruitfulness to have children. Others, it might be you need that unity of the Spirit, reconciliation in relationships. So Lord, I pray for the ministry of reconciliation to be released. Would you bring unity where there's division? Would you bring healing and peace? Come Holy Spirit. And somebody, you've got a, a hip issue. It's painful. And just right now, be healed in the name of of Jesus and in the power of the, of the Spirit, receive your healing. If you'd like prayer for anything, just click that request prayer button or let us know. We'd love to pray for you. The Spirit is at work where you are at. Continue to receive right now as we worship together again. Amen.